I, I don't even want to do the intro, to be honest. I, I Just pissed off, but all right, I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. On this week's thoughts from The Shade, what a fall from grace for the Philadelphia Eagles. There's drama on the field, off the field, all over the organization, uh, and it is a complete and utter disaster capped off by a loss on Monday night football. We'll get to our spot in the shade. Call. People want the Flyers to buy as they continue to win. I got a bone to pick this week, and we'll do some picks. Hard to believe we are here on episode 115 of TFTS. Uh, week out, a little less from Christmas, and uh, you know the holiday season is in full swing. So, just start by wishing everybody a happy holidays, a happy new year. Um, but man, like I, like I said at the top, what a fall! Fall from grace. It was just a few short weeks ago. We were sitting at ten and one in the driver's seat for another another first round by another number one seed in the NFC. As the Eagles just continued to win, continued to find a way to win. I think back to that caller from a few weeks ago. They just kept finding a way and just win and keeping the main thing the main thing. And we thought, man, well, what happens when this team actually figures it out? It's gonna be it's gonna be scary. Uh, and here we are today. 14 games in, 10 and four, lost three in a row. Uh, it's falling apart on the field. It's falling apart, you could say, uh, in the press box or in the uh, the coach's box upstairs. It's falling, all, falling apart all over the place. And to me, bomb, it looks like it's it's getting rotten and it's getting rotten fast. And before I bring you in, I just want to like – because I'm, I've been taking some shit from my my boys that are fans of other teams, and they're like, "Oh well, you didn't realize your team's actually a fraud, and you know they've been hanging on by a thread all year and squeaking out these wins, and that's fair um, to a degree." Because I think on this show we were skeptical early in the year. I th- we've been critical um, of the quarterback at times despite whatever he's dealing with and despite the lack of help from an offensive coordinator. But when you come out of the bye and you beat the Super Bowl champs in Arrowhead and you hang on against Buffalo, I thought to myself, okay, maybe maybe we do just win. Maybe we do just win. Uh, but boy, three weeks later, I, I sit here corrected. And uh, I don't know if I need to put my hand up, but guess you could say we you, you could see it coming uh but but maybe not but that's 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 where i'll start this off and bring in bomb what's going on i believe we invoked the name that is very rarely spoken in the context of like uh, recent eagles head coaches i would never compare doug to this guy but i believe last week we compared none other than nick s and the regime currently at the helm to the final days of chip kelly and boy does it look like a g boy does it look like it it's 
it's been a speedy, speedy fall from grace. And all of it, all of it is disgusting. I mean, you think about, we, we talked about Dallas. We talked about, you know, the signs of, of ugliness. And I said, could this be the, the beginning of the end? And we talked about the Seattle game, and I thought, well, I don't really know what to think for this game. Like, nothing would surprise me. The only thing that would surprise me is an offensive outburst. Uh, and instead, we go up a, we go up against a Seattle team that's without Witherspoon, who probably, aside from Jalen Carter, is the defensive rookie of the year. Uh, without Jamal Adams uh, in the secondary, one of the lowest-ranked defenses in the league overall against the pass against the rush, and we score 17 points. We score 17 points and ultimately lose to Drew Locke, who's only famous for singing along to some young Jeezy. Well, he did. I mean, what a disgrace. He did date the Chiefs owner's daughter, so I I think we can add that to his level of fame. So there is a little bit of a a swagger to a Drew Locke, and I'm sure we're going to get into the Defensive coordinator conversation here in a moment, G. Because um, that that seems to be all anybody wants to talk about. It's all anybody talked about heading into the game, and you and I are the only guys that were pounding the table. One of the I don't want to say only, but one of the few people out there pounding the table about this offense. We talked last week, four straight games with seven or fewer points in the first half. Team just continues to sputter. It's like they're leaking oil offensively. They can move it between the twenties, but they can never punch it in. They scored ten in the first half this week. And follow follow it up out of the half with a with a with a flat seven. I mean, there are serious issues on the offensive side of the ball. But what was Nick S thinking about all week? And we like I said, we'll talk about the change. We'll talk about Matt Patricia. After the game, he's quoted as saying, number one, it was his decision. He thought they needed to coach better on that side of the ball. And then he said, number two, the reason why the media didn't find out about it until I believe it was Sunday via Jay Glazer. Um Glazer, the only baby. reason the media didn't find out about it and it wasn't announced was because, number one, he wanted his players to know first, and presumably this change was made midweek. But number two, he wanted to preserve a competitive advantage against his opponent by, I guess, not announcing this. So ask yourself this question. If your head coach, who just went to a Super Bowl, and has an MVP caliber quarterback who's underperforming and whose offense is underperforming and you're an offensive guy and you think to yourself in the preparation heading into that game that the key to that game, the key to getting a victory there on the road is preserving a competitive advantage with your defensive coordinator on the defensive side of the ball against, take your pick, Geno Smith, Drew Luck, like... The fact that that came out of his mouth, oh, we wanted to preserve the competitive advantage. How about you fucking scheme up a play to get your guys open? I mean, the the fact that he said that and clearly thought about it during the week, we have to preserve the competitive advantage. This guy is totally in over his head. BJ's in over his head. Frankly, I wouldn't be shocked if they're gone at the end of the year. If this can, if this season continues on this trajectory and it's a a first round exit, I I I don't know how you don't can Nick S. Um, but yeah, I I saw him after the game and he clearly knew that was going to be the question going into the presser. He had all the the PC answers for that. 
talking about competitive advantage and letting the guys know first. But I think, I think this move, he kind of cued this up, and maybe it came from above. I I, I don't know. Um, we we can talk about things that have happened in the past under this regime uh, and under Howie Roseman with with Doug and Wentz and stuff like that. But if this was a Nick S move, like this was like, you're right, it wasn't the right move, but for him. Coming into a stretch where you play Seattle, the Giants twice, and Arizona, you make this change. Your defense, not because of the change, but because of the level of competition, looks better. He can point to that and say, this was an adjustment I made. Here's the numbers to back it up that we improved, and I can keep my job. But in reality, you go to Seattle. I don't care if it's Geno or Drew Locke or Uncle Rico. You give up 20 points in, in their building, hostile environment, you go up 20 points. And again, you play a lowly defense, a bottom-dweller defense, missing two of their stars. Your defense gives up 20 points, and you don't find a way to win that game. It's inexcusable. And they asked him about the offense and what he considered changes to that side of the, the ball and the coaching staff after the game. And he kind of said we 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 evaluate everything. I f- I feel like he kind of nixed it once and then was like we kind of evaluate everything. But I think he already blew his nut on like the move. So like if he makes the move on the other side it looks like full-blown panic, but like th- this this whole thing is already in complete disarray. Yeah, and everybody said everybody talked about that move. Oh, is it a panic move? Was it the right move? I mean, those both of those things are they're not like mutually exclusive. It, it it can be a panic move and the right move. And in my opinion, the ultimate panic move and the ultimate right move at this moment is to fire Brian Johnson. Actually, if I was Nick Sirianni, I'd consider firing myself because it's very obvious that Shane Steichen, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do a little callback joke here, G back in the day. Was Shane Steichen the brains of the operation, G how quick we were to discount Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning head coach. When Frank Reich leaves and goes to Indianapolis and everybody said, Frank was the brains of the operation. Is it possible Shane was the brains of the operation? Where is everybody in the street clamoring for Nick S to go? We got to get rid of him. We got to save our franchise quarterback. Where is that, G? I don't hear any of it. I don't know. I don't know. So... We we can we can go one of two ways here. I mean, we can continue on this kind of big picture organizational thing, or we can talk about talk about this game. Either way is fine. Well, let, let me let me give you a couple fine. names here. Let me give you let me just give you a couple. I got I have a couple key points I got to get to in this in this show that I've thought about. Okay, all right. So let me give you a couple names here. Um, everybody loves to talk about how great of a. QB whisperer, guru, what have you, whatever you want to call this guy, our Karen offensive coordinator is. And I'm not quite sure where that's coming from. Okay, I'm not quite sure where that's coming from. So let's talk about it. When he was a college coach, here's who he coached up, okay? Dak Prescott, Nick Fitzgerald, Kyle Allen, De'Eric King for a year, Felipe Franks, Kyle Trask, 
Kyle Trask. That's a murderer's row of... Uh, Mediocrity. Quarterbacks like, there. That is yeah. the murderer's row of, oh, shit, Florida. How is Florida getting seven and a half points? And you're logging on your sports book, or at this time, I think, working with your bookie who's got an online account. Oh, how's Florida getting seven and a half points at home in the swamp? Uh, they're, they're pretty good, aren't they? You've watched one game all year. You flip it on, they're getting fucking boat raced. Kyle Trask is running around with his head chopped off, and you're thinking to yourself, how the fuck do I get out of this bet? That's the guy. That's the guy who they call a quarterback whisperer. The best quarterback of the bunch there is Dak Prescott, and we know he's a fraud, right? So why do we continue with this with this talk and this hype about how great Brian Johnson is? I mean, it, it's it's sickening. It's pathetic. I'm disgusted. He looks clueless. He doesn't have any answers to the test. I gave you the the bomb twenty two last night on that on that final final call, and we'll we'll get into the game. But I just figured I'd call that out because there's a lot of people that talk about his pedigree, his background, working with great quarterbacks. I have watched college football since I was a little kid. I've been gambling on it since in and around college. Those quarterbacks sucked. You know what else kind of stands out? Like I know he's caught some some flack on this show. Um but when Dan Orlovsky is is doing two minute, you know, film breakdowns and calling out your packages and calling out your formations and your play designs, like that's not a good sign. That that's that's a really bad sign. And, and credit to Dan because he's done a nice job on ESPN recently on, on this Eagles offense. It's not a good sign when Dan's talking about it, and it's not a good sign when Bomb's scheming it up. I mean, it's it's just <laughs> it's pathetic. It really is pathetic. And and you have to like you can sit here and talk about the quarterback all day long. You can sit here and talk about the decision making all day long, but when your head coach sits there in the middle of the week and sits in front of the microphone and says, it's our priority to get it to three players, Goddard, Smith, and Brown, that tells you that's what that's what they're coaching the quarterback. Force feed these guys. It doesn't matter. Let them go win. Let them go be players, okay? So when you couple that message with poor packages, poor personnel, poor play calls, what you see is what you get. You're going to get balls that are forced up there and picked off because... That's the message they're preaching. That's the progression they're telling him to go through. And that's the personnel and the plays that they're calling in the biggest moments. So, yeah, we could sit here and say Jalen can't go there. Jalen has to check it down. Jalen has to do this. But as far as I'm concerned, I didn't hear Kenny Gainwell come out of Nick Sirianni's mouth all week. He talked about three players. Yeah, I, I don't I think I think the guy's last name is Love on Seattle, the safety. I don't think he had to watch one second of tape last week to know where that ball on, on the second to last play was going. He just you just had to listen to the Nick S presser. And you pointed out Goddard's in on the chip, so he's going to the flat. Don't worry about him. Smitty's on the other side of the field. He's taken care of. It's going to be chucked up to A.J. Brown. He goes over and picks it off, ends the game. And, um, again, I don't want to get down a rabbit hole here, but the, the other point I had to get to is um, – is your boy, as you call him, Kez? You know, he's, he's, he's first. First of all, why are we calling him Quez? Okay, his that was like episode. That was like episode, episode one. one I think. Episode one. You you, what, you you called him Kez. I don't know that he's earned the name Kez or Quez. His first name's fucking Terrence. Okay, Terrence, Scary Terry Watkins. Okay, 
I so, so I, I, I'm at a loss for words. This city is known for running bum wide receivers out of town. Okay, the year after the Eagles lose to the Carolina Panthers or or what have you in the NFC Championship game back in the McNabb days, we didn't sit. We 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 get Terrell Owens. We didn't keep James Thrash on the roster and run him out of the slot and design plays and packages for him in the biggest moment. Shot. Oh, we got Terrell Owens on the field. It's a shot play to James Thrash. No, we said kick rocks. Get the fuck out of here. Nelson Aguilar, a guy who contributed, a guy who really, I thought, you know, for for a guy who, who was a first rounder, I, you know, early on, it kind of looked a little shaky. Is this guy truly a first rounder? I thought he, by the end of his deal here, Competed and lived up to the expectation as a first-round draft pick. He won you a Super Bowl. He was big in big moments that year. That guy's run out of town. He is clowned on Action News as a gentleman is saving babies. Kids being thrown out of the window, and this guy's clowning Nelson Aguilar. Okay, so those are just two examples that I'm thinking of. And why is it that this city gives a guy like Terrence Watkins a pass every big moment every time the ball goes his way he either can't fight for it he can't fight through any contact he can't fight through any adversity he doesn't know how to high point a football and in the off chance he catches the ball in the off chance he catches the ball it's turned over it's on the ground it's a fumble I can't tell you like how bad this guy is G he's pathetic and then to sit there last night and talk about oh the refs missed a tug I mean, a fi- I told you this via, via text. A five-mile-an-hour wind would knock over Quez Watkins with the ball in the air. I, I don't know if you could see. Does he see the football at all? I mean, you would have a better chance with Bomb running out of the slot and clearing somebody out on a crosser than Quez Watkins. I guarantee it. It is so bad, G. And yet, the city gives this guy a pass. Nobody talks about it. So think about this. You have that interception. You have that interception on that shot play to let them back in. Gave them the ball right back. And you don't think to yourself, hey, Quez, you know, might be time to take the shoulder pads off and head back to the locker room. You're done. Get out of here. You're done for the night. You know, we'll cut your check after the game. You know, we'll sit you next to Jalen after after the game uh, so he can cough all over you and you'll fall over. But no, we don't do that, G. We have him out there in the penultimate moments. We have him out there on the last drive. He's in the slot, working the middle of the field. It is Unbelievable. You didn't even have to mention Rager. It's great. Yeah. He was but. so bad, I just totally forgot him. But think about Rager. Rager. Rager was better. I, I get the difference in the draft. Rager was 10 times the player that Terrence Watkins is. Yeah, R- Rager would go on to fair catch a punt and get booed. J.J. Ortega Whiteside could block. You know, if you, in the event he ever got on the field, I mean, he wasn't. I mean, for the, I guess for the where he was drafted. I mean, I guess we're giving Quez, Terrence, whatever you want to call him, a pass. But Ortega Whiteside was murdered, killed, crushed. Your mom was holding the umbrella for you. You know, why is it that we put up with Terrence Watkins? Why do we put up with that? Where did Terrence even come from? I believe if did we draft him. Oh, he was a draft. He was a six round draft pick. And he's out of the uh, the the powerhouse here. That is, I believe it's Southern Miss. I type in Terrence Watkins. 
And I got he's a combine. I got like, yeah, I got like a dude here who got a. Well, maybe this is why he goes by Quiz. May eleventh, twenty twenty two. Twenty five year old Terrence Watkins rebooked in Mobile Metro Jail this week. Not guilty plea. But Terrence Watkins, I believe, went to Southern Miss. Quiz. So let me type in Quez because Terrence, you know, he doesn't hit. You know, he's got a he's got a different persona to go out there and fucking blow game after game. His picture is him putting up. You type it in Google, it shows up. It's him putting up the Tyreek Hill peace sign. Well, fucking throw that up to our season because this guy's a fucking bum. He did go to Southern Miss, by the way. Throw it up to the city and and go somewhere else. He blew but- you a Super Bowl. We don't talk about that. If Nelson Aguilar dropped that football, he would be strung up at City Hall. But Quez, nah, get back out there. Work the middle of the field in the biggest moment. It's so bizarre, too, because uh, Zacchaeus has, has made some plays this year. Like, it's clear that he, he can catch a ball and run routes <laughs> and, and make plays. Dude, the thing about the, the play where the ball gets picked, the bomb to Quez... Him and AJ Brown were communicating signals as the ball's being snapped. Like they weren't even ready to go. And you see AJ just kind of walk off the line of scrimmage and Quez just just bolts. But, you know, doesn't make any play on the ball. But that this 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 topic, this player brings me to my tweet of the week, and it's from none other than Ruben Frank over at NBC Sports Philadelphia. Cause cause Quez was catching some heat on Twitter. And Rube puts out, I can't fathom why they think he's going to suddenly start making big plays. The last five times they threw deep to him. Three interceptions, a fumble, and a horrible drop. I mean, you can go back to the Super Bowl. You can go back to, I think it was the the, the first year Hurts started and Sirianni was coaching that Giants game. And he drops that ball at the goal line. I mean, this guy has been a stiff for three years now, we have we have a guy that's clearly better in Zacchaeus, who doesn't play now that Quez is healthy. Uh, I'd be willing to to throw Britton Covey out there, maybe maybe, maybe give him some Wes Welker kind of looks. Uh, you got to do something other than trot out sixteen. And 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 Julio Jones. I mean, I get he's old, and I get he's he's a couple steps slower than he used to be. Every time they throw him the ball, he comes down with it. Fourth and three, he gets a six yard. Six yard little uh, you know dig route in the middle of the field to move the chains. Like we don't we don't use him. We we don't move him around the formation. We don't move Smitty or or AJ Brown into uh, into the slot. No no no. We're just gonna line up. We're gonna be better than everybody, and we're gonna make sure we force feed our three guys, except for the biggest plays of the game. In which case, we're gonna ask one of our big three to chip block. We have a back in. We have five down linemen. We're going to use our third weapon to chip block on two down, two standing linemen, rushing into potentially six other guys. We need the chip. We got to make sure the chip's there. Okay. So there's that's the third weapon. He's going to chip. The other two are going to run uh, uh, clear outs for Quez in the middle of the field with 12, 12, 13 seconds left. It is unfathomable. Where is Julio? <sighs> You talked about just lining up. I mean, watching the game last night, I know we talked about it last week, but no motion. The only motion is Kenny G going all the way to the boundary, taking his win to get back next to Hertz in in a totally unsynced, poor timing manner, and then like we're burning a timeout. 
Did you see? So, so again, you know, I hate to make this about BJ. Did you see the video of Christian McCaffrey sitting down with uh, the Mannings on the Manning cast? From his couch. From his couch. He's calling Eagles plays. It, it, if that's not the clearest indictment. So I'm sitting down, I'm watching the game with, with, uh, you know, with the wife and, you know, we're sitting on the couch, Mrs. Mrs. Bomb. Bomb. And they, I wasn't watching the Manning cast. And I said literally the exact same thing in that moment, right? Like, first of all, the first two plays, I believe they ran out of bunch formation. Like you said it, like, why don't we ever run out of, out of a spread? No, no, no. We're bunch them in, pretend like we're tough guys, pretend like we can play smash mouth because we can run a, a tush push for a yard and a half, but we're, we're going to run power football. So we're going to, we're going to bunch it up and do a little bullshit RPO fake read option, whatever you want to call it. Seattle has it like literally guarded perfectly for the take, um, and, and the give. And, uh, and instead on third down, uh, with a quarterback who by all accounts shouldn't even be playing because of how poorly he feels, we have to go into the bag of tricks where we're going to run a QB draw again in, in you know in on third down. So before the play occurs, I said to my lovely significant other, I said, "Here it comes. We're going to run Hertz. We're going to do a QB draw." And he he gets in, and it honestly the hit. I mean, you could have compared it to like a Wentzian type hit against the LA Rams. There was some contact in and around the lower knee area. Like, it, I was lucky. I was happy to see him get up. But the first play of the game, you're running QB draw with your sick quarterback. To get the ball in the end zone, you got to run QB draw with your sick quarterback. It's, frankly, it's sick, if you want to ask me. It's it's disgusting. And so they score, and, you know, my significant other's clapping, and I'm not clapping. And she looks over at me, and she goes, why are you shaking your head? She thinks I'm, like, shaking my head because she's clapping. Why are you shaking your head? Oh, honey, it's not you. It's the fucking idiots that work for the Philadelphia Eagles. I told you this was coming. The fact that you got to call this to punch it in is disgusting. And then I find out today, Christian McCaffrey's doing the same thing, sitting on the couch with the Mannings, and his old lady's probably sitting on the other end of the couch. Oh, here it comes, QB draw. Everyone in America knows it's coming. It's unbelievable. Everybody knows, yeah. I mean... I know you pointed it out that you know and Christian knows, but at the end you you hit it because I, I sat there and said it too on the uh, the t- the first touchdown. Like it's it's just clear as day. So if us hacks can call it out, if Christian McCaffrey who's going on the Manning cast for a good time can call it out, you know when he's not breaking down tape, he's just casually watching a game. It, it's it's a disgrace. By the but, way, not not to go down this rabbit hole, but your boy Romo. Um, like, like when these announcers like talk about what might be coming or what, what might like, what concepts the Eagles might be willing to take advantage of against what defense, like, they're not like guessing, like they have these production meetings, they sit down there and talk with coaches, like, like Christian McCaffrey wasn't like magically brought in this week for like a production (laughs) meeting for the Manning cast on ESPN two with like. Nick S and BJ. He's just sitting there calling it out. Yeah. Sad. Very sad. It's a shame. It, it, you, you watch Dallas get get beat beat to beat the shreds on Sunday. There's an opportunity to you know come on here and, and throw jabs at them. 
I don't. You you mentioned the the grab on the Quez play. I I don't want to talk about officiating tonight at all because it had nothing to do with the scheme. That the toe tap on the inner. Not, I don't care. I don't care. It it has no effect, no impact on what's going on with this team. But leading into the game, we we got to talk about the Slay situation, the Patricia situation. So Nick S says Patricia was we'll call it promoted to DC or to the play caller midweek last week, but it wasn't like you said, didn't come out till Sunday, but last week after the Dallas game, Darius Slay was on his podcast saying how great of an individual performance he said he had. He was talking about how many PBUs he had. And then he said, as a team, we played like shit, but I played great. And I'm paraphrasing, but it's not a good look. I mean, I even listened listen to Hugh Douglas on WIP, and they're like, Hugh, how would, how would that go down in a locker room that you were a part of back in the day? He said, not good, man. Terrible look. And then he gets he gets the arth- arthroscopic knee operation that's going to knock him out for a few weeks. Uh, undetermined timetable. But then I, I also learned that Slay and Patricia did not get along well in Detroit. So I, that leads me to believe, like, I get it's the softer part of the schedule, but you're you're fighting for a division, you're fighting for a one seed, This all, all before this game. So all that shit out the window. But, like, if you could, if you could play 14 games through it, you could finish the year through it. I, I know you're laboring, but so is everybody else. So, like, either get it done at the bye and buy yourself a week with no game, or wait till the season's over. But I, my theory is that Slay got word that Patricia is now calling the plays and said, fuck this, I'm out. Oh, I think that's pretty clear. I, I didn't even know he was injured. When did he show up on the injury report? When when did when did this occur? Yeah, I don't like, know. You can't. So, so they lose to Dallas. When was his podcast? Tuesday? Wednesday? What was Dallas game was Monday night? Yeah, it was probably early Sunday, last week. Yeah, whatever it was. I don't listen to it. I just so saw the Early clips. last week. I, I just find it unfathomable that someone can sit on a podcast, talk about what what a great performance they had. And then literally the next week, they're out for the rest of the regular season with, with uh, elect. I'm going to call it, everyone wants to call it arthroscopic surgery. I call it elective surgery. I did the same thing a few years ago. You got to December... You know, a lot of companies give you a week off. I'm going to use a little PTO, not traveling too much in January. I went under the knife. Elective surgery. You just pick whenever you want to take it. When do you want to get a fix? It's not urgent. It's not heart surgery. Just whenever you want to get a fix. And he thought to himself, you know what? I had a really good game against Dallas. This defense sucks. And my old boss has taken over. Fuck him. I'm going under the blade. That's what went through this guy's head. And in fact, I'd fucking cut him. I'd cut him. And a cup Bradbury. I'd rather lose with Josh Job grabbing guys, Keely Ringo ripping somebody's head off with a face mask, but coming up and tackling people. I would rather lose with those guys playing than sitting there and watching old ass bald head trash bag James Bradbury and that selfish prick Darius. I'm never calling him Slay. I'm not calling him Big Play. He even says it to the media. Call me Big Play. Call me biggest play if I make a pick. Call me the biggest, biggest play if I do this. No, no, no. Darius. I would rather lose with Josh Job. I'd rather lose with Sidney Brown. I'd rather lose. Bring back Bosby. Devontae Bosby. Craven LeBlanc. Those guys had fight. 
That team fought. That that team in 2018, that team fought. They got boat raced in New Orleans. They come back and they played their guts out in that playoff game. And instead, we got to sit here and act like Darius Slay is like a shutdown corner. Cut me a fucking break, dude. Did, did we miss Slay last night? Like, I, I, I was sitting there watching that game and like maybe you could argue the last drive, but we've seen him get burnt, you know, and Jigba's going to run right by his ass too. Um, but we, we didn't miss him last night. No, he, well, he was an afterthought for, for that game until, until maybe the last drive, but I haven't heard anything like, Oh, we could have used slow. They, they didn't um, pick on the rookie. They didn't put pick on the undrafted free agent. Um, Eli Ricks or Josh Job or Keely Ringo. No, they picked on the three-year, $38 million washed-up, bald-ass bum who for some reason with a four-point lead stands before the media, stands before the media and says on third and ten with 30 seconds left and just outside the red zone, I'm playing the sticks. Are you fucking... Stupid, dude. You must be stupid. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't know why Brown is coming down for, for the back on that play. Cover zero. Yeah, cover zero. So he's got, he's got the back, and you rally and you tackle if they check it down. But why, why check it down when you could drop, drop a ball? I mean, and people want to talk about Drew Luck. Oh man, your backup came in and dropped a dime, a dime. A dime? I mean, and Jigba had like three steps on him. I mean, you could have dropped that in. I would have dropped that in. <sighs> it's so bad. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know where else to go. I mean, I, I. I think we've harped on that. Like, yes, the defense isn't great, but it it's done enough, and it hasn't been helped at all by the offense. Um, I mean, what about the quarterback? Like, he's not getting help. The play caller sucks. The scheme sucks. The head coach sucks. But but at some point, this guy's gotta he's, he's gotta be a little better. And, and I I love Jalen Hurts. I I love his attitude. I I like his skill set. Um, but but he's regressed in a big way, especially over the last couple of weeks. I would say. Um, I, I don't think it's concerning for me for the long term. And I you know, I've I've some of these plays written down where Gainwell is undercutting Brown on one of Brown's routes oh. on a third down and bringing his defender with them. Um we talked about the, the interception play. I know Gainwell was, was there for a dump, but like you're not looking for a dump with thirteen seconds left. And there was a third down play. I think the Eagles make it seventeen ten. The defense gets a stop. The Eagles have an opportunity to then go extend the lead. And there's a third down play where Smitty was open on like a drag and they underthrew a a bomb to Brown. A.J. Brown took to Twitter and said, I was the read. And he was, he had a step. The ball was just severely underthrown. So, and Brown was like, you guys are all so, so happy when we make those plays, but you're all pissed off, you know, when, when it doesn't work out. Like it was just a poorly thrown ball. I don't think he was throwing Jalen under the bus. I think he was kind of coming to his defense because everybody said, oh, he's got to hit Smith. He's got to hit well, Smith. 
Um, but and just one, one more thing. The, the other play I think about was the third and seven right before the two minute warning. I mean, I don't like the play call. You th- you think about the Jets game, similar situation. They they decide to pass, and he throws like the pick six. And then here you're around midfield. You need like one first down because they only have one timeout left. So maybe you run it and you get six, and then you tush push and the game's over. Instead, we snapped the ball. I, I don't know what the routes looked like. I'm sure nobody was open, but immediately, and, and the pocket was fine, but immediately Hurts darts out to the right, and then he's scrambling around. Like those, that's the stuff that he's been doing that that just can't. Gee, happen. we'll run it on third and six down in the red zone after the false start, but we're not going to run it on oh, third course. and six near midfield with the game on the line and like to try to squeeze the clock out. No, we got that's that's when we have to, you know, get our guys involved, get our superstars involved. I totally agree. And Brown may be right. That's the thing. Here's the thing: you could sit here and talk about how Jalen's regressed all day long. But what we don't under what we don't know, what we don't have inside knowledge of is like we can see the play call. We can see the personnel. We can see the packages. We can see the the play call in the moment. And we all agree it's been really bad. What we don't know is how he's being taught to read the progression. Right? Is it front to back, back to front, uh X receiver, Y receiver, Z receiver, which one? So everyone can sit here and we talked about it week one. Week one, we brought this up when they fucking got out of New England by the skin of their teeth and everybody wanted to sit there and Tony Romo was up in the booth saying, oh, he had this guy open, he had that guy open, he had this guy open. It's been the same shit all fucking year. And the reason why is because he is being told, he is being coached, chuck it up to AJ. He's our guy. Look to him. He's our guy. Chuck it up. We need to force feed this guy. Why doesn't anybody force feed Devontae? Why doesn't anybody force feed Goddard? It's disgusting. I'm so tired of this coaching staff. You have a literal Maserati for a, for an offensive football roster, and, and they're 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 literally fueling it up with like, you know, regular gasoline. It's 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 unbelievable. It's pathetic. Taking it off road. We're gonna off road in our Maserati. No, put the premium fuel in. Let's get this cr- let's get this sucker cranked up. I think he's got. I think he's got no faith in like what he's saying and what they're what they're teaching him. But would you? Like I, no. But like I'm, I'm sitting here saying like you can't just take off on a clean. That's why he's sprinting out. On, is what you're saying? Seven. Because his yeah. read's not there, and he's saying, "Oh shit, I can't." I don't know what the back half of that read read, read looked like, but that's that's exactly what that is. That's a symptom of how they're coaching it. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no passing plays over twenty yards last night. Um, yeah, it's not good. So I don't know that I want to go any further, like in detail in the game. But I think, and maybe this is a conversation for another day. But like, we've seen this before, and right with Doug and Wentz and Foles, we 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 won the Super Bowl. The next year, it's kind of bumpy, and you get you get, you get knocked by New Orleans. I don't know if this team will make that good of an effort in the postseason this year, uh, but then it all kind of falls apart. Wentz gets paid, Doug gets ran out later. What? Wh- why is this happening again? Like the coach is clueless, the quarterback's kind of lost his way, things are falling apart with the staff. 
like just one year removed from being three points away from winning the Super Bowl, and it just looks like it's all falling apart. Like, do you attribute that to to Howie and and Lurie, or like what's going on here? Like, have you thought about that at all? Yeah, I think I think some of it's like a brain drain, right? Like the idea that you're two coordinators left for head coaching jobs. Um, I forget exactly what happened in 2018, but yeah, Reich left. Um, he was the little, you know, security blanket, say what you will for Wentz. He was probably the only guy who could like get through to him at the moment. I think it, it was a little bit different because Wentz was coming back from an injury and then he got injured mid year. Like there were a lot of really weird things going on with, with that season that I don't necessarily see this year. Like, yeah, I guess Hertz is dinged up, but it's not like a structural thing. Um, frankly, this roster's better. I, there's no excuse for it. I don't think it's like, I really don't think it's the ego of like having gone to the big game because they got off to a hot start and they were finding ways to win. I think this is a product of a head coach attempting to. I'll speak offensively, promote from within because you're so fearful that, oh my God, we already lost Shane. Now we're going to lose Brian. If somebody gives him an OC job, we got to give him an opportunity. That That is a really bad, really, really bad uh, thought process. I mean, if I'm, you're going to call me crazy here. You, you really will. But um, there's a guy who coached a really good quarterback as an offensive coordinator for over a decade who is on the street right now. He also knows Matt Patricia. He also was never good as a head coach. And his name is Josh McDaniels. And you can sit here and laugh at me all day long, okay? But who the hell would you rather have scheming up an offense? Josh McDaniels with Jalen Hurts or BJ? Who do you think is going to get more out of a, out of your superstar quarterback? Who do you think is going to get more out of your your offensive firepower? Yeah, I I think I said it last week or week before. I'll take anybody but BJ. So, yeah, I don't I don't know how how he survives all this. I don't know how Nick S survives this. If maybe they win two one or two of these last three games and then they they lose, like, dude, if they get the five seed, they're gonna play at like Tampa Bay or New Orleans or Atlanta. If you lose that game, like, everybody should be fired. Uh, they, they, but they I just can't. They can't. Can they? Can they lose the game or can they fire people? Can they lose the game? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't I don't I'm not convinced they went out. Oh no. I mean they're laying eleven and a half right now next week against the Giants. That's the line. So if the Giants score six points, you get a cover because the Eagles can't score more than seventeen <laughs> right now. That's the truth. So yeah, they, they shouldn't be laying that to anybody in the league right now. But, yeah, just maybe I'm grasping for straws, but just the, the parallels of, of the downfall after a great year with Doug and Wentz and Foles and then how it's gone this year, it just makes me think, like, how does it get off the rails so quickly? And, like, there's just so much bullshit drama between the, the players and the coaches it's it's really bad, but like if you're Jeffrey Lurie, and obviously Howie is his guy, but like you're always evaluating everybody if you're if you're a good owner. Like Doug was the first to go the last time around that something like this happened, right? But like 
in this case, whether it's this off season, during the season next year, or next off season, like who's got to be the first to go, or like who do you have the most confidence in to to get it right? Because you know it's it's the GM, it's the head coach, it's the quarterback, and to me, I think it's fairly obvious. Like Jalen Hurts can get it right. I'm not saying he will. Um, but you've you've seen the guy play on the biggest of stages at, at all levels and and have success. Um, like I'm confident in him. If you fix the situation around him, I'm not confident that Nick S can can adjust. Like and, and head coaches in general, these guys are who they are. You look at XL boy; he finally gets canned after they give up 63. Like these coaches live and die by the sword uh, and, and doing what they do. So like. I would say I, I clearly have the most confidence in Hurts out of him, Nick S. and, and Roseman. And, and I would probably put Roseman second, but he's got to catch some heat for this as well because this, you know, the, the depth of receiver. We talk, talk, talked about a guy like Quez for five or ten minutes, and then you, you look at the defense and the secondary and Sha- you're bringing Shaq Leonard. I mean, he's totally washed. I mean, he, he was a Colt for life. And they let him go. Like, that's always a, a tell-all sign, right? Like, a team that you've been with that drafted you and you had success and you were a pro bowler and they don't want you anymore. Like, he he looks terrible. So, I just think that's kind of, like, got to be the conundrum for the owner if this continues to go downhill. I think Howie's fully secure. I don't, I don't think there's any way you can put this at his feet. Are there issues with the roster? Yes, there's issues, issues with every roster. But I think to your point on Doug – Doug was fired because they brought him in as a company man, a company stooge, somebody they thought they could boss around. And then Big Balls Doug Peterson showed up. Big Balls Peterson wins you a Super Bowl, and like Howie and Jeffrey are still telling him, like, no, you, we can't have Mike Rowe. Like, no, we're not going to let you promote Press Taylor to offensive coordinator. Like, they were pulling the coaching decisions over on Doug and Doug felt like as a Super Bowl winning head coach who beat the best quarterback of all time and the best the best coach of all time he should have had a say in that and frankly I don't blame him good for him he basically got himself fired but I think that was more along with more along the lines of like how that went down with this particular staff number one Sirianni hasn't earned it like he hasn't he hasn't reached the mountaintop you could talk about the Super Bowl last year I'm sorry you haven't gotten it done but secondly, I tend to think he's more of like a yes man. Um, I get the sense that he is just focused on like hyping the guys up and like coming up with analogies before the game uh, or for his post game pressers or what have you. I don't think he's pulling. I don't think he's talking anything about the roster. I don't think he's doing. I don't think he's got final say on coaching staff. You know, he might have input. Uh, but I do not think that the Desai thing was was him. Uh, I, I think all three of them needed to be aligned, and I would not be shocked if Roseman pulled some tape, worked with the scouting department, looked at the way in which they were playing, and said, "You know, what are you going to do, Nick?" The thing is, if they're if they're doing that, why weren't they doing that offensively? The reason why they weren't doing that offensively is they didn't want to step on Nick S's toes as it relates to his scheme, the way he does things, Brian. But I think that'll change quickly. So it'll be interesting to see how this evolves. If they come out and serve up a clunker offensively, I don't care if Jalen Hurts has the flu for the fifth time this year. Mark my words, there will be people 
potentially in that facility talking about Brian Johnson and moving on from him. It's an interesting point you bring up about maybe Howie and, and the scouting department kind of doing the self-scout on Desai and not on Nick S's offense, but it's because he's a good boy, right? He, he, he takes the orders from the top. He doesn't have the balls like Doug Peterson. Like you said, that's why Doug got let go. He wanted to do it his way, and that wasn't Howie or, or Jeffrey's way. So that that might help Nick S keep his job. That might hurt the Eagles and the, the team and the performance in the long run. Um, the, the, the last thought I have on all this is just like thinking back to the Super Bowl last year when you make it and, and even thinking to, uh, the Phillies or, or whoever, when you make it, you have to win. You have to win unless you're completely overmatched. Okay. Like we weren't overmatched by Kansas city. We weren't overmatched by the diamondbacks with the Phils. We, maybe we were overmatched by the Astros, but we had a lead there. Like, but it's so hard to get back, and everybody's so fast to be like, oh, run it back. We can get back. I mean, they showed the graphic on, on the broadcast last night. Nobody's won the NFCs two years in a row since the Eagles did it in 2004. So, like, it's hard enough to win the division twice in a row. To get back to the Super Bowl, it's so tough. So, it, it just hurts the way that this is going because you were so close, should have won that game, didn't get it done, and now it's all come, coming apart. Agreed. And then if you try to run it back with a similar roster, you got guys begging for money, wanting new deals, wanting more cash because they felt like they earned something or had a great year. Uh, I don't know what the deal is with AJ Brown. I mean, you and I have talked privately. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really a fan of his. I mean, I think he's a stat stuffer for the most part. I think he begs for the ball too much. Um, I think it's time for some fresh blood. I think. You've obviously married your quarterback. That's the guy you're going to go with for the next few years, presumably, if he stays healthy and he's not injured and doesn't continue to look like this. So sometimes those teams that lose G need an infusion of fresh, you know, people, fresh faces, fresh concepts, fresh ideas. And I think part of that is making sure your roster isn't so stale that you're keeping these guys around based off what they did in the past. Look at the Flyers, baby. That's right. Uh, let's let's before we close on the Eagles, we have a call into the spot in the shade line uh, on on the Eagles. Maybe more on the fan base, um, but we always encourage people to get involved. Two one five three eight five five one six four. I got some I got some DMs on the Instagram after the game last night. I was posting all, all of our stuff up, and you know people are. I got to get on the pod. How do I call in? I get a lot of people that want to call in, and then I don't I don't see the messages. So if you're out there and you're thinking about calling in, just call in. If you fuck up the voicemail, I'll I'll notice. I've listened to these before I play them on the show. I'll get the right one. We'll make you sound good. Nothing to be apprehensive about. Call in and let it rip, all right? We want to hear from you guys. Uh, let's hear what we've got this week. Right, this is Francis, a.k.a. The Mush, from the Soaring Highs and Crushing Lows podcast. I'm driving to work. I'm an hour and a half late. I'm a loser. You know who I blame? Me! Eagles fans, I'm so sick and tired of every time I bet on a Philadelphia sports team, you're the mush, you're the mush. I'm not the fucking reason we lost. You have Jake Elliott, Jake fucking Elliott, on your team. He's the best kicker in football. Why the fuck? Why the fuck? 
are you going for it all there at the end of the game? You fucking idiot. Throw the ball, cross the middle, get Jakey Bully within 60 yards, boot the fucking ball, and we go to overtime. Don't you understand that's how this works? What the fuck? Jake Elliott's been with the Eagles for a long time now, as long as I can remember. And he kicked field goals from 60 yards, and these fucking dickhead loser Eagles, oh, let's go for it all. Fuck you. I'm done taking the blame. I'm serious. Friend the mush. Friend the mush. Fuck you. This city, you're a city of losers. Losers. We traded Jimmy Butler for Tobias Harris. We lost to the Diamondbacks. We were up three to one. And you have the audacity. You have the audacity to blame me. Oh, the mush. The mush. The mush. Fuck you. I'm not your scapegoat. Fuck Philadelphia. Always great to hear from our buddy Francis uh, of the Soaring Highs and, and Crushing Lows podcast. Uh, if you've got 20 to 30 minutes, I think he, he drops an episode, maybe weekly, maybe biweekly. I don't know his exact cadence, but if you got you got 20 or 30 extra minutes uh, for podcast time, it's it's pure comedic gold. Uh, it sounds like you had the Eagles and caught some shit for, for motion them last night, but he's right. We just needed to get 10 or 15 yards and let Jake try to boot one through that Seattle air. Um, and city of losers. Like I got a text message today. I got to pull this up. I feel like our teams are just going, going to always be perpetual, perpetual losers that always come up short when it matters most. And like, Bob, you know my old man. That's like one of his monikers, like City of Losers, because we kind of we kind of are. And like people are like, oh, this is the golden age of Philly sports, and all the teams are competitive. Well, we got one championship to show for it. So, you got any thoughts on on our boy Fernassus? No, he nailed it. I mean, I think I said this last night. You basically take the foot. You took the football. Everyone likes to talk about. We took the ball out of our best players' hands. They took the football off Jake's foot. And for as clutch as this guy has been, uh, Jake Elliott, that is, this team actively tries to fuck him by putting him in horrific situations. Everyone wants to talk about the field goal he made against Buffalo which was a great kick. He said it was the hardest kick of his career. Why was it the hardest kick of his career, G? Let's talk about that. All right. First and 10 from the Buffalo 34. And this gets back to the fucking problem at hand. False start. Now it's first and 15. 38 seconds left. We have one timeout. Jalen Hurts sacked at midfield. Minus 10. Fumble. Recovered. By Buffalo. They do the official review. You know, it's reversed. They call that uh, uh, incomplete to Julio or something. Second and 15. All right, false start. Now it's third and 12 somehow, or I should say third and 17. Incomplete short left to A.J. Brown. So you literally are down to like your final moment with like one timeout. You've gained no yardage. You've gotten sacked. You've gotten penalties out the wazoo. To me, that is the personnel. That is the packages. That is the play calling. They don't do anything, anything to put their best player, their kicker, in a position to tie you or win you a game. Compare and contrast that 
to a team over the last decade like the Baltimore Ravens. They're doing everything they can to get Tucker onto the field, G. What can we do? We just got to get to the 45. We just got to get to the 42. Oh, we're going to run it here. We're going to throw a little out here. We're going to find a way to just get to that field goal line. No, no, no. We got to force feed our guys. We got to make sure our three-headed monster is able to get the ball and one of them might might be able to chip. So, again, a minor thing. Nobody talked about it. You heard it here on this podcast because we talked about it. Nobody talked about it against Buffalo because the kick went in. But that was another example of horrific play calling, horrific play designs when all you need is a field goal. Just got to give the guy a chance. Just got to get him on the field. Well, thank thank our boy Francis for for the call and partaking. We we got to get him back on soon. I need to hear some and some life you updates gotta, from Francis. You guys, I mean, if you're looking for something to listen to, that that is a must listen pod. It's it's you know he doesn't doesn't get into much sports. It's more about life. And for me, <laughs> um, you know, listening in whenever he drops a new app, it it's it's electric. It is. Uh, we'll say thanks to our sponsor, Menard Premium Detailing, the number one auto detail service in Bucks County. Uh, follow them on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, uh, and check out their services at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. You can follow us, uh, the show, at TFTSPod on Instagram and on X. Uh, I didn't prime you for this, Bob, but I just I just want to change gears real quick. We talked about, or I talked about, um, the Penn State offensive coordinator hire. They're bringing in longtime Indiana Hoosiers coach Tom Allen to coach the defense as Manny Diaz departs to Duke. Any any thoughts on Tom Allen? You think that guy's going to unlock like in the next level of recruiting? Like if I if I was the parent of like a, a five star guy, I'd be like, wait, where where this guy coach? In, fucking Indiana? No, thank you. Michael Penix was the best player. He transferred out of there. I, I I don't get it. Nah, I, I I got nothing on it. I mean, I I talked about the the OC hire. None of it really matters to me until the head of the snake is is cut. But figured I'd mention it. Let the people know. Um, I do want to talk about the Flyers. We talked about a team that's injected uh, some new players into the roster, some new folks in the front office, a new head coach that has some balls. Uh, they're sitting at second place in the Metropolitan Division with 37 points as we sit here before they drop the puck against the New Jersey Devils on Tuesday night. Um, Yeah, they're playing well. Second place playoff position. The the playoffs are looking more and more like a possibility when, you know, a lot of people thought this was another year of the transition. But I'm starting to see this stuff on Twitter, Bomb, about, oh, should they be buyers? Should we bring back Claude Giroux? Should we should we try to trade for Johnny Gaudreau? Um, and I'm here to say absolutely not. Um, if they want to try to pick up a guy, come uh, you know end of February, March, whenever that trade deadline is, if if they want to pick up a piece that can supplement the team and would be good in the room uh, to try to make a little bit of a push this year and, and get the young guys some playoff experience without uh, using any assets. Or getting rid of any first round or second round draft picks, that's fine. And and I have faith in Briere and Jones. 
But these people that want to try to bring in like a game breaker, oh, we we need we need a first line center, or we we need a we need we need a sniper on the wing. Like you got Tippett, you got Forrester, you got Bobby Brink making plays. Like let's let these guys do it. So to all this, and, and the other thing, I wrote this on Twitter to I think Jason Martinez because he he had a good response to it too. Like this team's building something in the room because that was one of Torch's big things when he took over. Like. We got to get the room right. Like they got the Proveroffs and the Kevin Hayes is out and everything like that. Like you don't just bring somebody in, especially like a big name, into a room that's that's vibing right now. And then you talk about Gaudreau. Like he he's got six or seven years at ten mil. Like that's not how they're going to build this team. So I just had to say no. We we we're not doing that. And, and I trust in in Jones and Briere to do what this team needs to do uh, and build it the way it needs to be done. Um, But it's just funny because in this city, when we have teams that are rebuilding, we get obsessed with this tank bomb. And, like, I would bet you that the people preseason that were like, oh, we need to lose and get the highest draft pick, and the people that are mad that they were winning. People were mad that that the Flyers were winning. Oh, we're winning too much. This isn't going to help the rebuild. Now the playoffs look more and more like a possibility. Who are we buying? Who are we buying? We we got to go get somebody. We got to push this team over the top. Let's let's be very clear. This team is not competing for the Stanley Cup, and if they do, by some divine miracle, let's do it with the guys we've got. And we need to build this team. And Keith Jones says it. Briere says it. We need to build this team to be competitive for years to come, consistently. Making a rash move. Getting rid of draft picks or young players at the deadline to to try to make a run this year, that is not the move. So it's just so funny how these fans flip from we're winning too much, we're we're abandoning the rebuild. Oh, but who are we going to go buy? Yeah, didn't they do the same thing with Sergey Bobrovsky? Like, oh, we we he's not a proven goaltender in the playoffs. We got to go get a guy. So they ship him out of town. And then next thing you know, the guy's like a Vezina Award winner. He's like starting in the playoffs for, you know, Columbus. It's just infuriating the stuff that goes on. You know, Francis is correct. This this fan base sucks. It's it's pathetic. It really is. Like talking out of both sides of the mouth. And we talked about it a few weeks ago. Like this Flyers team, they're a young team, they're well coached, they play hard. Like, why not just let these guys take it as far as they can take it? Like, why is it always about what we can do in the here and now? You're going to learn a lot from these young guys and seeing them play through adversity and try to fight for a playoff spot. But no, let's let's go ahead and unload some guys and go go get a rental who we know is a bum. Like, we know these, these other names. Like, none of these guys have gotten it done. Like, you're not bringing in, like, Patrick Kane. You're not bringing in Taze. You're bringing in, like, Gaudreau. Like, Sorry, we know what he does in the playoffs. Yeah, I feel like if if they're available at the deadline, like it's probably not a great sign, to be honest. Like if you think about it, high level. Um, but yeah, let 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 this thing that's been going good, let it keep keep growing. That's that's where I'm at. Um, I do have a bone to pick this week, and and you t- we talked about Francis, and he has a lot of comments on life. You know, we had him on a while ago, probably this time last year, maybe in the spring, and I think he used to drive Lyft. Um, but but I think Bob, you and I, especially as as uh, football season gets off the rails here, we got to get back to some 
some funny life stories, but I, I got a bone to pick this week with Uber. So I went out Saturday night um, with with the future Mrs. G, the future sister and brother-in-law, and, and a cousin and her husband, and we went out to a nice dinner. You know, we Ubered over from Philly to Jersey to meet the cousins. We had a nice dinner. We got we got a ride back to the house. We had some some cocktails. And we needed to Uber back to, to Philly. Then I was I was sleeping there. And I, I was on one. No driving. Really let it rip. And I, I'm too old to let it rip anymore. I didn't recover until like before the Eagles game yesterday. But we called an Uber to go back to Philly. And it wasn't like the middle of the night. It was probably 1130, like 12 o'clock. And I'm, we're standing out in the cold waiting for this Uber to come one minute away. And I even asked, I even asked my future brother-in-law, I said, Hey, is this, you know, is this the right Uber? Cause I'm not, I'm not out in the city anymore going out every weekend, ripping Ubers. So I'm like, is this the right Uber? Uber X it says four. He's like, yeah, that's the one. That's enough. We had four, four of us. This woman pulls up in the Uber. How many you got after we waited 15 minutes and we're standing out in the cold in the middle of the night. How many you got? We got four. I can only take three. Nobody can sit in the front. I got, I got something in the front. We're like, well, we got four. We ordered it for four. No, I can only take three. And we're like, can we can we sit up front or no? No. Window goes up. She speeds off. So how in the fuck can you order an Uber that says for up to four people and get somebody that pulls up and tells you I can only take three? And this isn't the first time this has happened. And how, however you feel about COVID and, you oh, you got to wear a mask in the car. Remember, that was a whole thing. Like, what, are you wearing a mask? Are you not wearing a mask? Um, th- this happened to me and my brother and his wife and Allison a while ago where a guy pulls up. Oh, you can't sit up front. Well, well th- and this was during COVID. We're all masked up. Still couldn't sit up front. So ha- what the fuck is going on when you order something for four you stand out in the cold, and it always happens when it's cold. Like, it's always the middle of winter because you're just trying to get out for a bite to eat or go have a few drinks, get out of your house, enjoy your life, and you get some some asshole who, who says, oh, I can do four until they pull up, and, and you're getting blasted by a 20-degree 20, 20 wind. They, they pull up, oh, I can only do three. Nobody in the front. Like, what? Am I nuts? You order something for four, you, you don't get four. Gee, I don't know what to say. I mean, um, are you? Are do you vote? Do you have a do you have a bad Uber rating? Do you think they're sending? I think I have a great. I think I actually have a. Do you good think they're Uber sending rating. you like the the bottom of the barrel drivers? I mean, let's let's pull this up and do a little comp. All right, let's see. Four point nine five. You fucker! I'm four point nine one. Yeah, I knew my Uber rating was good, man. It, like. And I hate to kill people that are driving Uber. Um, but that's and, your job. You know, maybe, that's your yeah, your job but, but, is to drive the car, move your shit in the truck. Yeah. Or if you and if you can't fit four, then drive Uber Mini or you know be on the Uber Mini Uber channel or whatever Mini. fucking channel <laughs> is for is for less people. Like, so yeah. Like again. But you make a good point. Like, I don't want to kill the people that are maybe working a little extra to to get some more cash uh, 
to support support inflated prices around the holidays and stuff like that. But give me what you signed up for. That's all I'm asking. Well, yeah, and I and I have to. I have I have a I have a bone to pick. This isn't a new, uh, you know, a uh, a current bone, but I have a bone to pick with Uber as well. And um, I do when I have four. I'll just let you in on a little hint here. I've run into that before, G. But I just order the XL <laughs> at this point. I'm at the stage now where I'm like, you know what? Just fucking, I'm not dealing with standing out there. I'm ordering the XL. I'm fucking hopping in the, hopping in the minivan or what have you and just pulling the trigger because I've had that same issue. It's so frustrating. But the bigger issue I've run into with Uber and I swore to myself, I'll never, ever, ever order Uber Eats again. I will all, I would rather starve than order Uber Eats. Um, And the reason is, and I would employ our listeners, our loyal listeners, please, please, you got to fight these companies. These companies, like, they literally try to fuck you. And, like, if you're not reaching out to them and 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 letting them know that they are fucking you, like, they're just going to continue to fuck us. So I've run into issues in the past, and it happened, I think, twice before I pulled the plug, where you see it all the time. The, the order, you order the food... The bag comes and there's like a critical element of the order missing. Like, and I'm not talking about like a side that's a cookie or like a small fry. Like I ordered one time from Wendy's, like one of the big, you know, uh, deluxe cheeseburgers and a spicy chicken sandwich. And the spicy chicken sandwich was just fucking missing. Like, like, so, so, you know, the, the one sandwich was for the wife. The spicy chicken was for your boy bomb. So like, what what am I gonna do? Just like subsist on a fucking frosty? So so like a core element of the meal is missing. Now if you're missing like a frosty and I ordered fifty dollars worth of shit, whatever, man. I was too lazy to go pick it up. Like it just is gonna be what it's gonna be. But like to be missing the meal, like I have an issue. So then you reach out to Uber Eats. And you go, look, uh, I don't know what the deal is here. Like, and that's a whole rigmarole, like a whole rigmarole. Like, oh, you know, because I assume they have got to look into the driver. Oh, and then you get into the restaurant blame game. Well, it wasn't me. It was the restaurant. Well, you're providing the fucking service. Okay. So what they do, and this is the issue I have and the bone that I have is they don't refund your card. They give you a credit in Uber cash so you can order another meal that comes with a sandwich missing 100% so I can deal with this next month and by the way that Uber cash isn't going to cover like like I already tipped I got fucked on the sandwich and you're going to give me the the, the $7 in Uber cash that isn't going to cover the cost of the next meal isn't going to cover the fucking tip to the driver so like to me that is that's criminal. That's theft. I consider that to be theft. I paid for a service. You didn't deliver it. I asked for a refund. You give me a credit to future service that I'm going to have to pay for above and beyond that anyway for the for the next meal. So let me get this straight. I've already paid for two meals. I'm missing one meal. I now have to pay for a third meal to get two meals. It makes no sense. So I just want to be clear with people. The way Uber runs this thing 
And I'm, I'm sure some of it's due to the fact that people are scheming and scamming. I'm not that guy. Like I said, if, you, if I can't ride before, I'll order the XL. I don't give a fuck. I'm willing to pay above and beyond for whatever service. But I expect the fucking service. So you reach out to Uber and this is like an automated thing. You select what was missing and then they look at the value and they look at this. So, but you never actually talk to anybody. They never actually connect you with a human. And I just fucking blew up on a guy one time. And I asked him, I need the tax removed. I need the cost of the sandwich removed. I need the proportional amount of the tip removed from the order. I tipped on the total amount. You're missing a third or a half of the meal. I'm sorry. I, I, maybe it's a bad break for the driver, but I'm not tipping on something that didn't come. Take it off the fucking bill and refund me. Uh, we'll give you a credit for the sandwich, sir. No, wrong, incorrect. I fucking lost it on this guy via chat. They end up refunding my ask to the uh, to the the payment the payment type the credit card, right? But I say that because unless people go out of their way to reach out to these fucking companies and rip them a new one and tell them no 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 no. You're going to refund my credit card. Don't give me a, a $2 in Uber cash. I don't want it. You have to hold these people accountable. So that's my tip of the week. That's my bone of the week. I just ask as we sit here and lock arms and deal with seemingly shittier and shittier customer service post-COVID. Bad service. We pay more. You got to fight. You got to fight these companies, G. It's so true. And I, I love the term rigmarole, but anything where you have to get get your money back or make a return or, you know, just, just get your fair value in anything, it's a rigmarole. So that, that's that's a good PSA. Um, let's wrap the show up. Let's do picks. Uh, picks are brought to you by the Sharps app. Uh, it is a free, transparent sports betting community. Link your sports books and share verified bets and stats with the world today. Uh, you can download the iOS app or if you're an Android person, I believe they are live on there as well. Uh, big old split last week. One and one for each of us. Uh, Saturday I hit the over on Detroit, Denver. Uh, Bomb, you had Denver. They got blown out. Sunday, uh, I had the Packers. They lost outright to Tampa. And Bob comes through with an outright winner with the Carolina Panthers. And, and it wasn't a muck. What did, what did you call it last week? A slop game? Slop game. The weather was bad. I believe tickets were going for like 45 cents. Did you see the picture of, <laughs> of the fans in the stadium? No. Dude, there, there might have been 1,000 people at the game. Between like how bad the team is and like the weather, there might have been 1,000 people. Nine to seven outright win for the Carolina Panthers getting their second win of the year. Um, we got football all weekend. We're into bowl season. Um, I didn't dial up any bowls for this bomb. So let's, let's do two NFL with, with Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday action. Um, and I'll start, I'll give you a moment to gather your thoughts here, but let's go to Saturday, four thirty. AFC North, uh, two teams that I think can still make the playoffs. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. I don't have a lot to say. Just hold your nose and grab your sack if you can find it inside you somewhere. Pull it out, close your eyes, and take the Steelers plus one and a half. 
Uh, they, they, they've been atrocious. Everything's falling apart. Um, but it's just one of those spots. Just, just hold your news and do it. Steelers plus one and a half. Sounds good, G. Uh, I'm looking to that Saturday night game. And for those of you who aren't aware, uh, you should be aware. Um, Herbert's out for the year. So you look at that line, it's 10.5. Buffalo laying 10.5 on the road. And do you know who the quarterback is for the Chargers, G? I think it's a NDSU product, if I'm not mistaken. It's CJ's protege. None other than a total loser. Easton Stick. He's a baseball he's bat. He's a fucking bum. He is a baseball bat, and he's a fucking bum, and the Buffalo Bills are going to smash that team. Uh, we just watched Buffalo totally open up a can of whoop-ass by playing smash-mouth football. These are the games where Sean McDermott comes through. These are the games where the Buffalo Bills look like world beaters. I'm taking Buffalo. I'm laying 10.5 on the road. They might win by 40. Yeah, it's it's kind of perfect timing for them, like to to hit a team like this when they need to win. And Chargers just fired their coach; they're down their quarterback. Like it's kind of a perfect spot. And like, but I I, I don't like to take take teams. Um, I don't like to bet against teams that just fired their coach. But Buffalo has everything to play for. They they have to win, and, and the Chargers. I mean, they, they packed their bags last Thursday. I don't care who, who who's coming in to coach this week. So I like it. Um, my other game is Sunday. Should be a good game. And in previous years, Bob, we've talked about the Capital One Fraud Fest, uh, typically consisting of the LA Rams and Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford and the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, this is the 2023 holiday rendition of the Capital One Fraud Fest between two 10 and four teams, the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins. Games being played in Miami. Miami is a one and a half point favorite. Uh, Dallas just got absolutely embarrassed in Buffalo. I don't love teams that are playing back-to-back games on the road, um, but the Dolphins, I, I, I don't know that they've beat anybody with a winning record this year. And I think this is a spot where Micah Parsons could have a day against a banged-up Miami offensive line. And I think Dallas's offense can keep up um, should Miami light it up. So give me the Cowboys plus one-and-a-half on Christmas Eve. I know that doesn't feel right. I know, I know, I know it ain't right on Christmas Eve to be betting the Cowboys, but I think it's a good spot for them. And it's just, you know, it's it's crazy bomb now thinking about Christmas and Christmas Eve. Like last Christmas Eve, we had hope. Even with fucking Garner Minshew, we had hope on Christmas Eve. And now we go play the Giants on Christmas Day and everything's falling apart. But Cowboys plus one and a half. Yeah, you'd have to think they're going to bounce back from that ass whooping. And they get down in the warmer weather. You know, they're not playing up north. Yeah, this, this is a spot for Dallas to really make a statement. Uh, and we know Miami's frauds because the Eagles beat them earlier in the year. All right. Uh, <laughs> another potential fraud fest game. Is it? Is it? Is this a battle for... Well, it's... I guess you could call it... Um, I guess you could call it Florida versus uh, uh, Miami. 
I guess maybe that's that's the analogy we're going to go with here. Uh, and I'm talking about college football there, right? FSU's the state champs. So in the NFL, Miami's the state champs, and you've got Jacksonville and Tampa, you know, playing for their lives. Tampa with a big, big win on the road. Green Bay, and uh, you've got uh, Jacksonville, which is on a skid. Trevor Lawrence looks like baby Wentz, dude. This guy drops the football every time he drops back. He's a bum, dude. He's an absolute bum. And it's sad to see. I mean, Doug's scheming guys open. He's got big tight ends running down the field. Um, they they stink. Like, they're, they're bad. But if there's one thing I know about a Doug Peterson-led football team, when they have to have it, when their back's against the wall, they're going on the road, they're going to be a galvanized team. Lawrence, one week further removed from that, that ankle injury where he, he hobbled off. I'm taking Jacksonville. I'm laying one point on the road in Tampa. Short trip down to Tampa. Do a job. Get ready for the playoffs. Jacksonville Jaguars laying a point. That's an interesting line. Bucks, Bucks a short favorite. Should be a good game. So that'll do it. Do it for the picks. That'll do it for the pod. It was a healthy one, but always necessary. I know a lot of people were looking forward to it, so I hope everybody enjoys. And, and thank you for listening, and thanks for uh, another great year. I, we'll, we'll check the schedules and see if we get something out next week if we want to talk about you know uh, Tommy Cutlets fucking lighting up the Eagles or BJ not being able to scheme anything up against the Giants. We'll see. Um, but if this is it, it's been a great year. Thanks, everybody, for all the continued support, and hope you have a very happy and safe holiday season. Uh, and new year, but uh, TBD on, on the episode next week, but uh, just throw it out there in case we're not here. Uh, and any last words for you, Bob? No, I think there's a lot of parties, a lot of good times to be had. Uh, here's your public service announcement. If you're going to order an Uber, order an XL. It's still not worth the D, the DUI. All right. So don't use Mikey's, you know, story against you. I don't want any, any DWIs blamed on Mikey G. Uh, order up the XL, spend the cash and get home safe. Pony up and 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 buy the Uber. All right, with that, we'll thank everybody again. Wish you a great holiday, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.